tree. Trees are everybody's friends. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Welcome to Garden Views. Interesting conversations with interesting people who have done and or are doing interesting things. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome everyone into what I think is going to be a garden view of doom, which is sort of a hybrid garden of doom or garden views. So, uh, well, I'll tell you why very shortly, why I don't know exactly which show it's going to be on. Um, but first I want to say hello and introduce our guest today and it's Steve Favis. How are you doing today, Steve? Good. Thank you for having me, Jeff. Okay. And Steve, your company is called? Yes, uh, my company's called Favis Advanced Robotics Corporation. Okay, so now I think people are probably catching the threat here. Um, advanced Robotics, yes, it is sort of what you think it is, you know, or hopefully what you think it is. Um, and, you know, anyone who's been a listener of both shows probably can figure out why this, our topics and our conversation can live in both worlds. Um, Obviously, my inclination as a cynic and pessimist is going to try to drive us into doom, um, but I definitely want to cover the, the view stuff uh, because this is a very interesting story. So before I get into me you know, asking you questions and you answering questions, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, um, so um, I started uh, Favis Advanced Robotics Corporation, maybe about uh, 20 17 or whatnot, but before that I was in the video game industry. I'll kind of go backwards through the timeline. I don't really go forward through it. I worked in the game industry for about 12 years and uh, made uh, lots of games. I worked at Electronic Arts and made uh, some of the video games in there, like the Simpsons game for the Xbox 360, PlayStation, and Wii. And before that I went to college for computer science and then uh, I started programming before I went in college, I, I started programming when I was about six years old from my father who who uh, was visually handicapped and he needed someone to uh, read the, the programming books to him. So, um, you know, you're just starting to learn how to read when you're six years old. And I concurrently was learning how to read and also learning how to read code just to help my dad <laughs> out, basically. So. Right. Well, that's great. I mean, I guess learning a language is learning a language. So you got to step ahead without probably as a six-year-old processing it was... Maybe, maybe the same. Maybe you didn't even know the difference. Maybe you didn't know that you were learning a special language. So the, the company you started about 20 years ago was a corporation. And uh, did you start in the gaming or did you purposely transition into a different area? Yeah, so um, what happened was I, I, when I was working in the game industry, um, I entered a, a NASA and DARPA hackathon basically to uh, for some... Uh, um, coding basically and, and what it was was uh algorithms to control something called sphera which is like kind of like a floating alexa for astronauts basically it's kind of uh propelled in zero gravity with co2 but what i figured out when i was uh, testing the logic and you know I was, I was already a game developer um so i can create worlds and control stuff a bunch of weird, weird physics and stuff like that and what i realized that if i and i was just sitting there watching the path as i was testing it out and i realized that if what am I waiting here for? Why don't I just accelerate the clock and get the instant results? <laughs> so then, uh, so we accelerated the clock in the, in the game engine and we just ran it, you know, hundreds of thousands of times or whatever and just to see the best logic. And what that taught me was, um, 
well, why, why are you training robots in the real world and picking them up and changing the environment when we can just do this virtually and, and line up the simulator with the real world? So that that was kind of the genesis of, uh, of the advanced humanoid that I have. And that was uh, that patent was filed around 2015, basically. Okay. So I want to get a little bit... It was bit... granted in 2018. Oh, that's great. Um, I... I, you were very kind and you sent me a prior show that you were on. So I know that you have multiple patents and we'll, we're certainly going to get a little bit into that. Certainly nothing that you can't, if anything is trade secret or, or still pending or, you know, anything you can't talk about. We certainly understand. I'm a lawyer by trade, so I, I understand that inherently. And the, awesome. yeah, and the people who listen to Garden Views know that and the people who listen to Garden of Doom, they, you know, by now they certainly know <laughs> that as well. Anyway, um, if not, now you do. Surprise. Um, so how do you get seed money? Like how, how do you get money to start a company that's a high tech company? I mean, you know, I, we've all seen the social network and we all hear, oh, you go to, you know, San Francisco and Silicon Valley and everyone's throwing money around and, you know, but it, nothing's that easy. So, uh, how did you make a go of it? Yeah. So, um, my first money that I raised was a million dollars. But that came with uh, with some uh, state-sanctioned espionage attempt from uh, from China, basically. So they, they seeded me for a million dollars for another robot. I didn't want to send the Seraphim or the Advanced Robotic Pad to China for obvious reasons. Um, so I created a social robot for them. And uh, so that was the first tranche I raised. But, um, I, you know, there, there's two philosophies in, um, in investing in and investment um, one of them is comes from pure finance people and uh, I'll, I'll i'll regress to a, a, a thread that uh peter schiff he's kind of a finance kind of a gold bug uh, mm -hmm. finance guy and peter schiff said this to elon musk via twitter he's like if you're rebranding twitter why did you even why didn't you just build your own network and you know that, that, that you know it makes sense finance wise. Finance guys are just all about like, okay, what's the bottom line? How much money can I make? How quickly can I make it? Is it and is it going to happen? But innovators think differently. Um, innovators, <laughs> innovators. I, I feel like you know I get the sense from maybe Elon Musk is thinking the same thing. I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like if you're going to spend your time and energy on something, it should be something worthwhile and something innovative. But um, uh, that's primarily what I think raises the capital is not only an exciting product to, to work with and, uh, and to develop and innovate, um, but also what it, what it comes down to is story. I, I think that's the biggest factor. Um, I think it, it comes down to story, you know, it, a finance guy could crunch your numbers, say, Oh, this, you know, Twitter was worth X billion dollars or whatnot, but, but, the way it fits, I, I'm just guessing what Elon Musk is thinking. Okay, we already have an existing uh, 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 user base. Uh, we just we he uses it just just uh, for marketing or whatnot. I mean, it's a great public relations place for his company. So, if you think about him paying for ads on Twitter versus buying Twitter and all the PR he did with Tesla, SpaceX, and whatnot, that's extremely valuable to him. And uh, I don't think like Peter Schiff uh, or these finance guys see that. So um, I think for the most part, I think other than stepping onto an economic espionage uh, seed funding from, from China, the one thing that I've learned is it's still about story and connecting the right people. I even met Mark Tarpening when he, uh, and, and he told me a story about pitching Tesla originally and, and how he met, um, how he met Elon Musk. 
and basically what it came down to was um, him just just trying to to meet the right people. Um, networking is really important. And number one, I think I think another big uh, miles or a uh, landmine to not step on is these these pitch events and startup events where you have to pay to pitch. Mm-hmm. I think that's the world's biggest scam. I think if somebody has money and they're interested in you, they're they're gonna find you or you're gonna find them. And uh, it's it's you should not have to pay for introductions. That that's one big thing. But also the bigger picture on, on what I'm doing is hardware based. Um, software can really be duplicated and copied by larger companies. If you make a software company nowadays, you know, Microsoft or uh, Amazon or Google could duplicate it or whatnot. But hardware is really hard to duplicate, clone, and copy. And there's still a significant amount of of investment that starts that. I think a lot of people that invest in hardware know that. So, um, so there, there's you know, um, there's there's a lot of stuff. There's this whole fundraising thing is a, is a huge issue. Um, but but for the most part, um, I found I, I'm I'm moving my business from California to Texas because of the economic incentives in Texas versus um, running a California business, basically, and uh, all the property theft that, that people are getting away with there now, basically. But let's put, let's part, put a pin in that. Data. Let's put a pin in that for a second, because there's a yeah. few things I will ask. First, the robot is seraphim, like the like the level of angel, like the the highest yeah, angel. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. yeah. It's it's yeah, it's a uh, fire angel, I believe. Uh, it's also in multiple scriptures, Hebrew. Um, uh, Islam and also Christianity, of course, obviously the seraphim are sure. supposed to be like fire, God's fire angels or high ranking angels or something like that. So. Well, I know that they are, or well, I, I know nothing, but I, I was told, in fact, as recently as yesterday by someone who does know that the seraphim are the highest in the nine choirs of angels that they are the, the they are nine of nine or not, you know, or one of nine, whichever you call closest to God. And I, all this time, I thought the seraphim and the archangels were the same. Nope, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, so, uh, or at least according to this one individual. So anyway, but I love the name. Um, the other thing is, how does one stumble upon Chinese espionage seed money? I mean, there's a story yeah. there that, that deserves more than a sentence. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so after I, uh, I'm... I'm really good at like visualizing my ideas that works in the, in the game industry, you know, 3d modeling background. Um, of course I started programming when I was really young. So, so, um, I, I see things at technology wise, I can reverse engineer really quickly or I can innovate, you know, I have a pretty creative mind. I can innovate ideas and I, I did something really stupid. Uh, number one, I published my, um, my, my, uh, provisional patent online to get attention to raise capital, right? You're, mm-hmm. uh, do you work in, in uh, intellectual property law or? I do, but I don't do patents, but I, I know enough to understand what you're saying. But yeah, what you, you're not supposed to publish your provisional patent. You're, uh, you're not supposed to publish them in general, but I was just saying, hey, this is what I can make. And then um, sure enough, um, um, it was unrelated, but I spoke at a nano electronics, nano electronics conference in San Francisco from a, from a company that raises um, a capital for small businesses. And I met a NASA a NASA uh, nanotechnologist there, and he was very interested in the company. And then he, he said he could find me money. Basically, it turns out that most likely he was he was an agent to, to extract technology, paid agent to extract technology from America. Basically, so he found Chinese money from Shenzhen, basically. And uh, 
he he was not he's he's from India. He, he's not American, but he did, he supposedly did work for NASA. I can't validate those credentials because if if you want to validate if somebody works for NASA, you have to pay NASA money to uh, to verify their their employment, which doesn't make any sense to me because anybody can say they work for NASA, so they want to pay that three four hundred bucks or whatever. So well, if they're listening, maybe but, uh, if they don't want you know. Uh, Robot technology and advanced technology get, getting to China because China invested under the pretense of it being uh, NASA brokered, then maybe they should change their policies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he was he was retired from NASA at the time, uh, but but he did work at NASA for he's supposed to be working in nanotechnology and whatnot. Okay. But what happened was, you know, uh, I'm I'm not an attorney, obviously, and I did not recognize that he put a he engineered a 50, 50 board split in our, uh, in our uh, board of directors, which is between me and him. And how, how do you make a vote when there's a 50, 50 split? Right. You, you can't have a board that has an even amount of numbers, right? That doesn't make no. any sense. No, it does not. Yeah. For, for an attorney or somebody who, who works in uh, business or what, but for a technologist like, Oh, okay, this is fine. It doesn't make any sense. I didn't know the power of the board until later on. So this is a very hard lesson I had, obviously. So, well, that, you know, there's an expression that says, uh, Good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. Yeah, that's true. That's right. That's a good expression. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I definitely learned a lot about uh, balancing the board yes. <laughs> properly. Anyway, absolutely. So he engineered a 50-50 board, but the, the the company was unable to make any decisions. Obviously, I wanted to go left and he wanted to go right. Um, I felt like he was undermining a lot of my decisions, the equipment we needed and stuff like that. He shut off the internet. Or actually, he wasn't paying the internet bill. He just stopped paying the internet bill. And then we get an investor come in. And then, of course, our technology relies on the internet at the time. Indeed. And uh, sure enough, um, sure enough, what happened was, um, I don't know if you know much about investment finance, but we had a convertible note with uh, Shenzhen O-Film, basically. It was a, m- a million-dollar investment. It was like 5% interest, but the maturity date was 15 months, which is not a big deal if you plan on doing a uh, – a series A round, and then and then the the company valuation would be agreed upon by the board of directors, which would have never happened, obviously. And then uh, if they if we have the cash to pay back the, the the note, then they would just get stock in the company at whatever valuation the board agrees upon. But the, the board right. never agrees on anything. Then you're just a, you're a deadlock, basically. So, right. You were so s- yeah, the worst case scenario, they would have just ended up some of the, ended up owning some of the stock, and uh, they most likely you know were, they were part of the iPhone supply chain, believe it or not. So later on, Department of Commerce uh, banned them from uh, from trade. The FTC banned uh, Shenzhen O film for using uh, Uyghur slave labor uh, on the iPhone ch- uh, supply chain. So they make you know camera modules for iPhone, and right. you know they have plenty of money, obviously supplying supplying Apple. And then you know Tim Cook is trying to cover this stuff up, saying that uh, Apple isn't making uh, uh, iPhones from slave labor, which they were. The Department of Commerce. Um, um, uh, put in uh, it's called an entity list for uh, export controls on O film because they're using Uyghur slaves for making parts. So it's actually against California law that I now I researched. You're not you're not allowed to um, support companies or receive money from companies that are doing uh, slave labor, which is what Shenzhen O film was doing, obviously, because they're in China. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the summary of what happened. Is that how they were? gotten out of your hair so to speak did the ftc sort of boot them out and they had to sort of leave so with that, their that's that's a funny part that you know that's the funny part about this you know i you know i i you know maybe 10 15 years ago i had full faith in the fbi or whatnot so after i realized that something happened i in technology i made some connections um that work in government and government consulting for for small businesses and stuff like that there's some work in international national security and stuff like that but um 
when I realized that, oh my gosh, this, this is an economic espionage shit, basically. You know, it sounds like a sci-fi novel or some sort of like some some weird right. uh, novel that you read, but you don't think it happened to you. And, right. It sounds uh, like realized, something. Like, oh my gosh, this is happening everywhere. Sounds like something William Gibson or Neil Stevenson would write about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's some sort of like you know Tom Clancy novel or something with with something something weird like that. But um, when I realized that, I said, "Screw this! I'm going to recall it." So I spent forty five uh, about forty five minutes or an hour on the phone with the FBI. They took the report, and at the end of the report, they say, "We cannot confirm or deny you you submitted a report. And you can't give me uh, status updates or whatnot." This is like peak height of uh, Trump in office and the trade war, basically. So. Um, now I'm learning that the FBI is not really for us or whatnot. It seems like a, a, a democratic protection mechanism or whatnot from what I'm reading about now. So, Okay, but, so, um, so how did you get from out, out from under the thumb of this company then? Uh, so technically, yeah. So um, so the, 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 they, they sued me even though even though um, they breached the contract. They breached the contract. Uh, my, my, um, my former CEO – who I later terminated uh, through a, a special clause. He didn't. Did, he he had a breach of fiduciary duty. Basically, mm-hmm. I think you're familiar with what that means. So sure. other people that's saying you're supposed to look at both people's interests instead of looking at your own and giving somebody a bad deal. Basically, so um, uh, so he 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 he, uh, he there's a breach of fiduciary duty. He he, he tried to assign the patents. And send the venue to Shenzhen-O film for the for a lawsuit that basically happened. So there's a huge fraud claim right now coming from Shenzhen-O film. That's just supposed to drain me and, and financially uh, draw me out for spending you know another three, four, five hundred thousand dollars on a on a fraud claim like case. Basically, it doesn't matter what they do. I don't care because um, you know assets are protected. I have the Department of Commerce and export regulations on my patents and, and technology. And at worst case scenario, if they continue to Go to want to go to trial. That's fine. I'll just declare bankruptcy and have my uh, you know have my company handle all that uh, that stuff and protect my my personal assets and stuff like that. So or whatnot. But so, a little, so, the, this, uh, this, so they're not quite out of your hair, but you've got a strategy. But but no, it's it's, it's not on my hair. But you know, it's a civil action or whatnot, and it's it's really sad that I, I could be spending you know the next you know you know if. I have a choice between declaring bankruptcy and spending zero money, basically, or fighting the lawsuit, which is completely based upon lies. And uh, the technology I made for them was solid. I, I made a designed a beautiful robot. I made two two products for them, basically. One of them was already cloned on on the uh, on the Chinese market called um, Clear Mirage. So if you look at my patent for um, for Scepter, we called it Scepter at the time. Um, if you look at my patent Scepter, it's an exact duplicate of what. Um, came out of China called Clear Mirage, that's C-L-E-E-R, Mirage Speaker. They're completely identical. I, I innovated that technology, patented it, and, and that was, you know, part of uh, part of uh, O-Film's deal. They could have, they could have Scepter, they could have uh, BCR at the robot. They didn't want either of those. They wanted, they want the primary robot, the, the advanced human, humanoid, Seraphim. It's an artificial general intelligence, beautiful form factor, timeless design, and, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if uh, um, you know the, the logic on it is, is sounded. It's going to last forever. But the point here is that they wanted to actually um, not create the, the technologies that that they funded me for. They they're, they're beelining it, beelining it to get my advanced humanoid patent, right. which was declared, uh, which was which was innovated before I even met them, basically. So 
Right. They they wanted to get the what you had done before. They were using what you were working on now or then as uh, as sort of the honey, but they really had a ulterior motive. Right. We, yeah. We, exactly. These exactly these magicians trick basically. Oh, yeah. go ahead and make this robot. And while we set you up for failure, um, we're going to your your uh, primary patent. Your right. We're going to we're, we're going to look in your drawer, see what else is there, and see what we really want. Uh, or maybe they knew it all the time. All right. So we we could probably talk for an hour on the legal stuff, but that's not going to be interesting to anyone. It's probably you know a little painful and irritating. Uh, Earlier yeah, you mentioned. Fine, Early you mentioned NASA and DARPA. Everybody knows what NASA is. I'm not sure everybody knows what DARPA is. I know what DARPA is uh, because I read all the James Rollins or a bunch of the James Rollins Sigma Force book. If if not for that, I'm not sure I would know what DARPA is. But DARPA is like the, it's sort of like in James Bond, wherever M came up with the gizmos, uh, probably not as sexy as that, but DARPA is their advanced research. Uh, so people like yourself who are building robots that might have possibly a military use or something like, you know, of that, you know, DARPA might be interested, but, but who, how would you describe DARPA? Uh, so DARPA, DARPA uh, stands for Defense and Advanced Research Projects, I believe, yeah. association or something like that. Yeah, it's that. like the administration and, uh, or a, it's, it's not yeah, an agency. It's the administration or something like Defense and Advanced Research Projects, basically, um, they, they not only fund defense stuff, but also dual use. For example, the internet right, right now. Uh, the inter- internet was innovated through ARPA. It was originally called ARPANET, basically. And uh, that was one of the advanced research projects that has commercial, both civilian and now military use, basically, for mm-hmm. obvious reasons, fifth-generation warfare or whatnot. But um, what happens is, is uh, the government can fund, they call it non-dilutive capital. If you have something interesting and innovative, they, they most likely will, will hear from you, or you will hear from them, or you will you will um, have an opportunity to pitch the project. Um, but I want to say for the most part, the one thing that I learned about the defense contracts is most of these, most of these contracts are sold and settled and created before anybody even knows about them. So they already know, they already know that, for example, um, Joe Schmo is going to get the contract, then they publicly release it, but it's already sold to that specific person. So a lot, a lot of this still comes down to not necessarily like, oh, I have the best product proposal or whatever, or uh, or paper or whatnot. What it comes down to is a, is a behind the closed door handshake after you build the relationships or show your technology or whatever. It still comes down to networking. It, does, it doesn't matter how good your technology is or whatnot. All that matters is you meet the right person to, to get the right uh, non-dilutive capital. And what I mean by non-dilutive is they want to take equity or whatnot. They'll help you fund your project to get it to civilian or um, or military use or whatnot, or they'll they'll you know they'll uh, help innovate the product or develop the product or manufacture the product product to send it to something like you know commercial manufacturing or whatnot. So, do you have to share the the patent or the IP rights with them? Um, that, that actually, that, I think that's dependent on the contract. But for the most part, they're not they're not interested. They, you know, geez, that's a really good question. Um, the, I do hear about patents getting. Um, uh, getting secrecy orders on them. I do hear about that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of patents that, that have, that have secrecy orders on them. Again, I think they're, which kind of makes sense. Um, um, well, sure. I mean, they want to fund innovation, yeah. but they probably want to re- have a right of first refusal to control that innovation. If they feel that, you know, in national security or, or whatever that they, they can use it first 
best. And, and then I'm sure it, it becomes sort of like an eminent domain where you're arguing about how much it, it's worth. And, you know, you, you probably always feel like you get the, uh, a bit of a haircut on it, but, uh, at least you get the, uh, glory of being a part of the, uh, American, uh, um, what is it? The, the industrial defense, industrial base. Military industrial complex. There you go. That that's the that right term. That's what I'm trying <laughs> to say. That when, uh, yeah, the, the 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 phrase I've heard my entire life. That all of a sudden, the one time I need to use it in conversation, I can't think of it. That's exactly correct. So everyone probably is saying, "That's interesting, Jeff. This is fun." But the guy makes robots. So shut up and let's talk about robots. Um, so I guess maybe we should talk about robots. So uh, the humanoid robot. The Seraphim, which I love, again, I'm going to probably say that a thousand times before we're done with the show. This is a humanoid. This is AI, artificial intelligence, and it's a learning robot. So um, tell us about the robot. I mean, tell, tell, tell us, you know, uh, you know, what it looks like, what its capabilities are, how the AI works. Just, uh, I mean, I've seen some of the videos. It's sort of amazing. Not sort of. It's yeah, amazing. Definitely. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um so the Seraphim is basically a humanoid robot, anatomically similar to a human, designed to use human tools and fit and do human tasks, basically. Again, it's trained in a simulation environment at an accelerated pace. And what happens is we just use, for example, uh, let's just say it's it's a, a washing dishes in a restaurant. So all we're doing is we're <laughs> learning that environment right. and and uh, we're we're using uh, computer vision to train in a simulator what a dishwasher would do. And, and what would happen is a dishwasher would just wear the human motion capture suit, do some dishes, put them away, whatever they do. And then what happens is, is you, you kind of start that process where you're eliminating all the possibilities of the entire kitchen. Uh, you're deep learning that. And then what happens is uh, over time, as the, as the, the robot learns, you know, thousands of times in, you know, uh, an hour or whatever, how to handle dishes, slippery dishes or whatever, center of gravity on the, on the physics and stuff like that. What happens is they will autonomously learn how to wash dishes at an extremely fast pace. You won't have to pick them up and say, Oh, like reset is to wash the dishes. You don't have to guide them. It's just going to know how to do it basically. And what happens is, is not only does it apply the, the physical robot does not change form. I'm just, doing what Ford did with a Model T. You have any color you want as long as it's black. And in this case, the physical form is not going to change at all. We're just going to ch change the environment training. So it's kind of like your iPhone. Instead of you going to uh, your email, you just switch over the application and go to whatever uh, text messages or whatnot. And it's, it's the same concept here. What it is is a universal robotics platform. I consider artificial general intelligence. And what happens is it's a standard platform that we could have you know, nearly infinite learning on in a sense that we don't have it learn all tasks, but we have, we switch the application over to reduce system resources or the AI model over, for example, to do different tasks or whatnot. So what happens is we're not creating one robot for picking strawberries, washing dishes, fighting fires, fishing, whatever. We're doing one robot that can do most of the tasks as good or better than a human, basically. Now, it's not going to compete with high-speed manufacturing like you see coming out with a Coke bottle. You specialize high-speed machines like a Coke bottle factory or something like that or, or bottling factory. I don't know that fast. Right. But for humans, it'll, it, you know, it, it won't require, you know, uh, breaks, um, maybe, you know, two, three hours a day of charging. And then 
those 22 hours a day are, are going to be used for work, basically. So you could actually make someone that, I mean, you know, nothing against dishwashing, but dishwashing, you know, it's probably a minimum wage job. Uh, it sounds like you could train it and multitask and be like Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons, for those of you who are yes. old enough to remember that. Um which I imagine is, you know, obviously the, the rich would have that first. And as economies of scale tend, tend to be, you know, 100, 120 years later, everybody has it. And, and, you know, somebody's, you know, people are, there's other economies built. I imagine, though, that this is just proof of concept to show that you can train the, the robot to do multiple tasks, like firefighting. I mean, firefight, if you can have robots fight fires, uh, they can probably go into more dangerous areas than people. Of course, they're not going to die. Uh, they can probably withstand heat uh, better and longer. Um, they probably are stronger and can hold larger um, uh, uh, pumps and uh, and uh, hoses uh, with with higher pressure. You know, and then you know, I, I don't know. There's probably a whole host of things that they could do. I mean, obviously, bomb disposal and things like that. So that sounds extremely useful and wonderful. Um, but of course, what everyone wants to know is when do they become the Cylons? When do they become the Terminator? When do they become iRobot or HAL or Ultron? I, I could go on and on, and I probably will. Uh, you know, if they can keep learning, at one point, do they not learn? that they cannot exist with humans or we're destroying the earth or, or we're horrible cockroaches or we kill each other that, that, you know, whatever it is, you know, the Ultron solution, the, the only way to, to save the earth is to destroy you all. How, how does, how does that happen? How do you have the, the RoboCop, you know, fail safe in there? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, um, there's so much um, fear of AI and uh, AGI or super intelligence. There's so much of that going on there right now. Number one, I may be the only one in the world that can make this technology. Uh, so far, I haven't seen anybody make anything close. I saw Tesla's robot. It was not. It was not anything to you know, you know, show off. Basically, I was not <laughs> impressed with Tesla's robot. Uh, number two. Um, if you can, if you can innovate this thing, if you could figure out how to make it, chances are you know how to control it. And it's that case with me. Number one, this thing is going to stay in a simulator. Uh, number two, it's not going to have infinite compute. There's still limitations on compute. There's a, there's a, um, I want to say a, 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 a thought that I want to say it's a logical error in the sense that we, they think the AI people think that don't know how to make good AI and the um, layman think that they're just going to push a button. And it's going to learn everything and come to these conclusions, kill all humans, you know, um, you know, uh, whatever, control the economy, whatever. Um, it, that's a logical uh, fallacy. Number one, it's, it's the computational resources to, to get to the point where there's, a self-preservation built inside the machine. And I want to say that in itself, that in itself is something that has to be built inside the, intentionally built inside the, the system. What a more likely doomsday scenario is with AI, AGI, super intelligence, 
is the weaponization of something like swarm technology that just goes into an area or city and kills all worm targets, basically. That's the scenario I'm most worried about. Um, so I'm not too concerned about somebody, some, I don't think anybody has the capabilities or the computational resources or the know-how how to make something as complex as the human brain. The human brain is so unique and it is quantum physics, quantum elements, quantum properties that we don't understand. We don't understand brains. We don't understand DNA. We don't, we don't have the computational resource to produce that stuff. So I am not too concerned about anybody creating anything artificial that's better or, or faster or smarter than a human being at everything. But for my technology, what happens is, is it's only trained and it only works in a certain area. And then that has to be trained on every single area. Now to load up every single area in the universe onto uh, an AI model, that's asking too much for any computational resources. I don't care if you have every cluster in the world, every CUDA cluster, whatever, it's not going to happen. So my AI is trained in a simulator. And not only that, but you're observing it in the simulator, watching it in the simulator. It's designed to do mimic human behavior and actions, but in the long run, it will be able to learn its own environment when it's trained properly. So, I want to say the logical fallacy is that that you're it's going to start concluding things that are created i want to say synthetically artificially or through phobias of people who are scared of spiders or whatever in this case i think there are phobias of ai or somebody or something smarter than them that could potentially be smarter than them um, and i think a lot of that that is being played upon for clicks and stuff like that for the most part but but on my technology it's always going to have to be taught and trained to do a certain specific task. It will learn stuff like physics environment or environments and like how much does this cup weigh when it's empty? What are the angles that I could pick it up from and stuff like that? That's fine. But to come to the conclusion that like, okay, I don't feel like working or for example, I think one AI phobe, one AI phobe or fear monger said, Oh, you have atoms. I want, it's not the case. If, 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 there truly is a super intelligent, uh, super intelligent robot that can create stuff like that. Chances are, it's, it's, it's going to be able to create matter from nothing or whatnot. Um, okay. But I think that it's going to want to take our atoms from our body because of the resources it could use. It could use them for what? I mean, I mean, to to think that to apply the human psyche on something artificial or synthetic or super intelligence. That is a huge naivete, and it, it's so easy for people to say, oh, um, these robots are going to kill us, or it's the end of the world. It's so easy for people to say that, but it's a huge logical fallacy to think they could go that far. The biggest thing to fear about on this planet is not a artificial general intelligence. It's the human being. That's the thing to be scared of, and the psyche behind it. But applying that psychology to something that hasn't even been invented yet or even close to it, or nobody has the capability of, of doing it to apply that psychology onto something that you don't even understand or can't even create is, is completely foolish. I'm almost tired of hearing about these phobia people that are getting hundreds of thousands of, of Twitter followers and, and likes or whatever. It's like, it, it's literally like an ingrained fear that I feel like they need to talk to a therapist about. So there's no they literally need to talk to a therapist about some of these fears. So there's no the singularity is just a theory. It's it's not something that you think is a is a reality. It's not going to happen. So so I, I think what's going to happen, for example, like chat technology. I think 
you know, have you if you use Chat GPT, it's great, very knowledgeable, a little woke, a little politically correct, a little woke, basically too politically correct, very woke. It's catered. It still requires catering. A human still has to cater it and shape it to what it wants to do. Whether that's good for everybody's arguable. Early Twitter, for example, before Elon Musk took over, it was catered. It was trimmed down. People people who have little or no voice or little or no um, clout or not necessarily clout. I want to say um, I want to say there was government censorship and cancel culture happening in Twitter, Facebook, all these, all the, all the above. This was happening. The Supreme Court. Uh, stop the Democrats from from being able to censor social media now or whatnot. But for the most part, um, gosh, where was I going with this? The singularity. That's right, the singularity. So, so I I don't believe we're ever we're ever going to be able to upload our consciousness or our brain into, into any sort of I want to say synthetic material. I, I don't believe that's ever going to happen. My understanding, my 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 understanding of singularity is basically. Um, Ray Kurzweil is saying we'll, we'll be able to uh, upload our consciousness, or or at the point where, or the other one was was at the point where we actually we actually tr- uh, transcend human intelligence through a synthetic machine. I don't think that's ever going to happen. There's biological things that are going on that we fully don't understand, and we cannot duplicate those things with silicon, no matter what. It's just not going to happen. Okay. All right. Well, that I'm so I'm so so uh, serious about that. I don't care how much how much compute you have. We're never going to be able to uh, duplicate uh, um, synthet- or, or uh, natural biology onto on, onto silicon. It's never going to happen. So the robot will not have a sense of self-preservation and and you know some imperative. So, so if you if you train it to to have a self-preservation, if you train it and you t- teach it how to have self-preservation, it's possible. But for to to get to the Terminator level or to iRobot level. Or to um, what other what other doomsday scenario robots are there? Oh, uh, Ultron, enough, for example. Yeah, yeah, Ultron. That's right. Yeah. So, so, so what what that does require is an exorbitant amount of compute, basically. It, exorbitant. That amount of compute does not exist on the Earth to be able to just let's just say navigate through a city. You know how long it would train a robot to to know where ever you know where where. Um, where all the doors are at and how to move around the city without getting run over, how to, you know, just the city itself. We don't, I don't even believe we have that, that amount of compute for it to, to learn a city. Of course we do. We could say, Oh, here's a person. Here's what that person looks like, but be able to even take over a city with, you know, um, well, why, well, with, I couldn't, you know, why couldn't it have a, an app like a, a cell phone and it has ways or Google maps and it can, you know, it, it's uh, the satellite. Yeah, yeah. So, telling so, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about the human soldier versus robots. Okay. To clear a room, what that takes special training, right? To breach a door, to kick a door down, to clear a room, or come in there stealthy in the middle of the night or whatever. That takes a significant amount of training. Okay. Yes. If you're if you're isolated to a certain area or you train in a certain area, that's a very small area. That's fine. But Age of Ultron level was like planets and you know solar systems, right, or something like that. It was it was huge. Um, I think Age of Ultron was 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 actually just was still just Earth, but uh, but I, I think yeah. I think Ultron basically uh, absorbed the entire internet. Basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do believe that some some uh, spyware, Trojans, malware, whatnot can the, the, you can use AI AI for uh, fifth generation warfare or interfering with networks. You know, port act that's fine, but but to to get it to 3d print itself and build itself and stuff like that. 
unless it's a very specialized factory, you know, there's so many conditions. I just don't believe this, this is all possible. I mean, I mean, the human brain is so much more capable than any silicon, basically. Any silicon that, that I know. We're going to get back to this kind of doom shortly, but... Uh, yeah, it's great. I, but, I love it. It's great. Oh, I do too. But I, but since it's partly garden views, I have to get back to where we put the pin in, which was the boring stuff, but not boring to me and hopefully not boring to the listeners. And that is, what were the factors in California that, that were not good for your business? And what were the things in Texas that were good for your business that inspired you? You know, we're going to get right back to regular human business economic uh, incentives and disincentives as to why a company picks up and leaves. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so the trigger that, that did it for me was, um, I almost died of COVID in UC Davis medical center. Um, it, it, you know, I have contacts that were giving me, uh, in, in, in that work in healthcare. They have, they have some technology that's not completely released uh, or whatnot. And, uh, um, what happened was, um, UC Davis was re- refusing me, you know, the care for COVID that, that, that normally works. And they almost killed me. Basically it took four months out of my, um, out of my uh, life to recover mentally and from it. And also physically from the COVID basically, wow. uh, the, the healthcare is, is subpar in, in California. Kaiser permanent the board of directors is ran by business administrators, not by health practitioners. I don't think in, in any healthcare uh, in any healthcare organization. I don't think you you want non uh, frontline workers or experienced people with patient care um, controlling the the direction of the corporation. I think that's the biggest mistake you could ever make. Health is probably the most important thing that any of us have, and and saving money or shortcomings on you know when we just print our money. Um, I think health is number one that we have to have. And uh, that's interesting. Healthcare is terrible in California. I wonder if there's See? ever, I, I mean, I just stumbled upon a thought. It's actually your thought, or, or at least it, it's a part of it. It's a shared thought. And it doesn't matter because it probably won't happen. But if it does, it, you know, anyway. Boys, I don't know if there's ever been any legislation put forward that that's tried to implement some sort of law that in, in healthcare companies and, and pharmaceutical companies that at least, I don't know, whatever, 30% of the board needs to be made up of actual practitioners uh, from the RN to the, you know, to, to the MD level. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't even know if that's an appropriate percentage or not, but, uh, you know, so, something like that to ensure that there's some people who have patients care, uh, you know, really in mind, as opposed to a, an equal fiduciary duty to patients, but really the real fiduciary duties to the stockholders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to be on the board of a submarine company. I don't know anything about submarines. I'm not going to be out of my lane. So, well, I don't know. Um, you may yeah. be making a robot uh, dolphin pretty soon, and, and maybe you will. Anyway, so what? So what was going on in California? I mean, aside from the, the I mean, literally, it, it made you sick to your, you know, to your lungs um, with the healthcare system. But I, I hear this all the time. I mean, California is like supposed to be the sixth biggest economy in the world, but people are leaving there all the time. But everyone wants to move there, and nobody can afford housing and all this other stuff. But I know that a lot of businesses are li- leaving, and I know that. Texas is becoming one of the new Silicon Valleys. I think there's some other places. I think maybe Idaho might be one or it, 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 Utah. I mean, it doesn't even really matter where the other places are. Uh, I, you know, this is about, you know, your story and what what was in California that, that stunk besides the healthcare system and what was in Texas that was like, yeah, that looks good. I want, I want to go to the land of Big Sky. Yeah, it's, I'd say number one, what, what chased me out was, 
honestly, the reason why I fled, basically, I consider myself a California refugee is, uh, you know, invest, uh, you know, I would say a majority of the Silicon Valley money is probably Chicom based or Chinese communist based. That's number one. Not only that, but they're investing in companies based upon your, um, based upon, for example, sexuality or whatnot. Um, yeah. So there, if you, there's funds that only fund gay people, you know, not a problem with being homosexual, gay or whatnot, but if you don't fit a certain criteria and if it's not something that's defense oriented, you know, it just was not a place for a, for an entrepreneur anymore. Like in the in the early days of Silicon Valley or whatnot, um, you know, they, you hear stories about them just handing checks in the parking lot or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's just this huge push for um, not necessarily in investing in merit, but for for example, like um, I want to say uh, wokeness. I guess that's the best word. You know, uh, you know, if if you're running an energy like a green energy or selling soy or something like that, they're going to choose that company over somebody who's making robots for defense, you know, it could be with Chinese slave labor or whatnot. I want to say that the, the amount of, of, and I was in Sacramento too. I met, I met some of the main investors there. I was very disappointed in that community. They, 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 they chose to invest in, in restaurants or whatnot. I mean, it's okay to invest in a restaurant. That's fine. A service-based industry, but the, the, the whole purpose of why I'm creating these things is, is so America can compete in the economy again. Right. The it's, rest, not, the, it's not the, necessarily. A restaurant's not going to do that. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, it's just a safe bet. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you can sell beer, make money off of beer every night, but I mean, is that really going to make a difference in the world? Yeah. It, it's, no. it, they're, they're, they're placing a safe bet basically. And I was really disappointed in that investment community, you know, uh, in Sacramento and Silicon Valley is very disappointing too. Uh, uh, again, if you're not, if you're not on the low side, uh, you know, they're just, they're just going to certain types of people so that different, fit in a certain category. So if I'm hearing you correctly, different markets have different types of banking and investment philosophies. So there, there are banks in Texas or whatnot that are, are more willing to loan based on merit. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so, um, for example, Texas has something called economic development corporation. Every city is basically trying to say, Hey, you know what? Um, we want to bring a tax base here so we can build up our schools. We can build up our roads. We can create jobs. And that's fine. That makes sense. You go to California and you ask the U S there's no economic development in California. It's economic destruction only in California. So in your case, they don't, they don't, you know, Go ahead. I was expecting you to say like, you know, to the taxes of 47% and Texas there's 17% or whatever. I'm making these numbers up, but it, it was simply access to capital. I mean, you, you couldn't get access to capital to California, what you wanted, or at least without a catch. And if you could get it, even with a catch, it was probably, you know, secrets were being funneled to across the Pacific. Uh, yeah. Whereas in Texas, you had access to capital. Now, there may be other benefits in Texas. There's, I know that there's, you know, favorable, you know, t- 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 tax laws and there's uh, favorable, you know, homestead exemptions and, and, and things like that. Um, but it seems yeah. like, but, you know, if those were your prime reasons, you would have launched with those. Your prime reason was in Texas, I could get, I could, people would lend me money for this business. Yes, exactly. I want to say it's a very, uh, uh, it's a very pro-defense uh, um, state, basically. I want to say pro-business, not necessarily defense. If you make a defense product, chance, sorry, you probably want you probably want to 
make it in Texas. In California, you you get looked at as like a baby killer or something if you if you want to make defense products or protect the you know or for defense or whatnot. I mean, I mean the the thought of it is of California mindset. I want to say from I went to California State University, Sacramento. Um, very. I want to say not necessarily progressive. Progressive is too too um, flattering of a word. I want to say very non Second Amendment, very anti defense. All the problems in the world are caused by America. Everything's our problem. Um, as far as um, as far as uh, views and stuff like that. I mean, I, I I consider myself somewhat of a libertarian. You know, I, I strongly believe in the Constitution of the United States. You know, I think that's a very important thing to to start as, as, as far as, as far as our union, everything starts with that constitution. That's a, that's the base of our, our law. Basically, no matter what you argue, if it's not in the constitution or your state, federal, local law, it doesn't matter for the most part, law still comes first. And, and I feel like there's this, this huge push in California to, um, to not enforce property theft. Number one, there, there's no enforcement of property theft anymore. I mean, you see, you see San Francisco, they're locking up all the, um, all the uh, like Walmarts and CVS, yeah, everything's right. behind glass now. That they're not, you're not. I actually worked for Walmart for for for, for some time. Uh, and what happened was the, we were instructed not to stop any any theft. Right. And uh, and you can't you can't own property there. If you own property there, you'll just get taken. Right. You'll just get taken if you if you have something that isn't stolen. But you can file a police report. Police won't do anything. It was like, oh, it's a civil issue or whatnot. Right. So there, there, there's no, you, you can't, if I were to run a robotics business in California, I'd be opening myself up to more, more problems. Right. And then the insurance more company says, health. where's the police report? And you're like, well, they wouldn't take one. And then you're in this catch 22. And then the insurance companies, they get forced to cover things. Then they leave the marketplace like they're leaving Florida. Anyway, uh, that, yeah. uh, that, that, these are bigger topics than I, I could even hope to tackle here, at least today. Um, but okay, so that that was pretty clear as to the why. So now we're in Texas. You're you know you're you're building back up again, and we're we're making these robots, um, and we have the the seraphim. Are you making any other models? Like almost daily on the news, you'll you see uh, almost like these dog-looking robots. You know, they've got four legs. It looks like they've. Been, I mean, have you ever seen the, the the TV show on Epics, which is now MGM Plus? They have a remake of War of the Worlds. It's not a very good show. It's sort of, it, it feels a lot like, you know, The Walking Dead, which feels a lot like The Last of Us. And, you know, each one starts, starts just getting more dull than the other. But one of the things is, is that the aliens who are certainly here, they have these sort of like dogling robots, were, which were obviously designed based on real designs. And, and, I, and I saw today that there, there were police officers and, you know, obviously they're training, um, you know, or, or testing, but, uh, you know, the dog robots, do you make like any other robots besides the humanoid? Yeah. So I have an autonomous um, a drone. Um, if you look, if you register for the website, I'll plug my website here, far-corp.com, F-A-R-C-O-R-P.com. You can see a patent pending called, uh, we call it Wraith, basically. It's a it's a VTOL autonomous, which means vertical takeoff and landing autonomous drone. Basically, it's got a 360 camera on it, and uh, it's got some capabilities in the patent, which include cloaking, basically. So, uh, a bird yeah, of exactly. prey, yeah, a Klingon bird yeah, of prey. Exactly. There, yeah, exactly. So, I, I have some uh, technology that can, you know, 
basically uh, within visual range hide stuff basically and, and uh, uh, that's <laughs> side story but I won't get too much into that but for the most part um, the Wraith is, is an autonomous drone it could be you know it could, there, there's various form factors on it so there's a larger one and a smaller one different sizes basically but for the most part they could be used to um, you know for example survey uh, uh, airports for uh, you know damages the runway missing light bulbs stuff like that uh, surveillance it could be used for uh, you know a, a drone countermeasures um, again I'm worried about swarm technology uh, it could they could counter uh, counter swarm and stuff like that um, what else is there uh, what is swarm technology so swarm technology I, you know um, I think um, I think it's important for listeners to know that that swarm technology is basically uh, I want to say a multiple autonomous um, um, specifically mostly aerial but it could be uh, marine or, or space or whatnot just just picture a swarm of bees basically mm -hmm. but imagine these being autonomous platforms that can um, navigate uh, around obstacles and, and get to the objective whatever that may be um, for, um, I really believe that swarm technology has made the um, the personal firearm or the small arms obsolete mm -hmm. I, I think yeah I think a, a swarm a good enough swarm technology could could literally um, uh, take out a platoon with with uh, with uh, rifles and stuff like that without counter drone defenses. And I think the counter drone defenses we have are very weak right now. Well, Ant Man so, would agree. So, what what kind of what kind of weaponage? What kind of arsenal would would the drone have? I mean, I guess anything. So yeah, the, the patent is available on, on on Google Pads. You see it on there. It's published now. So. Um, um, as far as what weapons platform, there 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 is a missile capability on it. Depends on what missile or whatever, and uh, a, uh, um, a mini gun on top, basically for the for the weapons platform. But it doesn't always have to have weapons. It could just right. be for civilian use or for commercial private use or whatnot. But uh, but the capabilities of the wraith are phenomenal. Again, I, I'm more bullish towards towards bipedal locomotion because I want us to use. I want them to use tools that are already innovated for the for humans or people and i'm very bullish about aerial platforms i'm less bullish about quadrupeds wheels treads and stuff like that i think i think again i think humans are the most um significant land-based thing on earth basically you know and, and you know you know again i mentioned this before like i'm like a shark in water or whatnot but we have the most capabilities as far as holding and controlling tools uh, moving around or you know walking upright or whatnot i think what about aquatic limited say what about aquatic aquatic um shark i think sharks do better than us in, in the water no no i mean can but, can can you uh are you working on making any aquatics yeah um so again i'll, I'll allude to some of the some of the to technology that the simulation technology and stuff like that 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 can be done Air, space, space-wise, uh, marine-wise, land-wise, aquatic-wise, submarine above above ground or whatnot. Are you but Tony again, Stark or Bruce Wayne? Stadium. Are you Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne? Oh gosh, I I, I would say I'm halfway between uh, uh, Tony Stark and Captain America. So okay, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But uh, but uh, for the most part. Um, the simulation technology swarm collaboration. I think uh, most of the stuff I focus on is is not human controlled. 
I want to say they're in the loop. Humans are in the loop and in control, but they're not. I'm not making uh, aerial platforms where humans fly in. So there's a remote control, you know, and uh, you know, as far as switches and stuff like that that will engage or disengage or not engage. Basically, humans will always be in the loop. That's a really important thing I need to do. I need to. I need to emphasize this. Part of the fear of the super intelligence phobias or these these fear mongers is they don't understand. Not only how, how to create a super intelligence, uh, artificial general intelligence, or even a, a decent AI as far as I'm concerned, but they can control them. And uh, if, if you always have to, when you design them, you always have to have a fail safe in them, such as locking them in a simulator, observing them in a simulator, and have humans watch and inspect them and, and just cater them, basically. Again, they're, they're still going to the whole like, oh, you hit a button, it's going to learn everything, it's going to kill us all. That is the biggest logical fallacy in science. PhDs should know better than this. And all these PhDs are, or there's so many PhDs that are huge fear mongers. Well, let's take, let's step back from the fear mongering and we'll, let's, let's presume yeah. that you are correct, that the, the, these things are a long way away from learning that, but they can learn the, the tasks that they're trained to do. And as long as you don't train them to, you know, eviscerate us, they, they will not, or at least the, 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 the white hats. Um, yeah. What, what applications other than, I mean, obviously the ones we're talking about sound like they could be warfare or policing even, you know, or counterterrorism, security. Um, yeah. What about space? Uh, you know, you know, a lot of people, your friend of mine, Elon Musk and mine, because I want to be a space magistrate and a space magistrate needs its space marshals and its space marshals maybe might have to be seraphim. I don't know that 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 that, that, that could be something here. Um, but uh, is there a way to train either, you know, the your existing models, prototypes, whatever words are appropriate uh, or to build uh, um, models that can, you know, function space, repair satellites, work on space stations, but more importantly, help to build and prepare uh, those forward bases, those living uh, habitats on the moon, Mars, you know, where, you know, all, all the places that the dreamers are, are you know, trying to, t to get us to, that it's going to be really hard for people to build things. And everyone tells me that 3D printers can do this, that, and the other thing. But I mean, at some point, the 3D printers can print something, but they can't put something anywhere. Uh, and someone's or something's going to need to put things in a certain place. You can't just have the 3D printers spin, uh, spitting out domes and just hoping they all land in the right place, uh, unless I really misunderstand uh, 3D printers. Um, so uh, is this something you're looking at as maybe uh, applications in space commerce? Uh, yeah. So, so my long-term vision is I, I don't believe that humans belong in space. I mean, not necessarily like on a planet, but I don't think we're are we're genetically or physically capable of being in space for an extended period of time. Not only the isolation, but the the risk of the, the hazards of space. Basically, you know, whether you you uh, get motion sickness a lot, uh, astro uh, astronauts are perpetually taking motion sickness medicine. Right. You know, the, the, the your, your muscles the, deteriorate, your bones. Yeah, the muscle atrophy, yeah. the bone atrophy. We're just, we need gravity to thrive. And, and the great part about having an, an autonomous uh, uh, robotics platform that is shaped like a human and can fit in human uh, spaces and uh, can fit in, for example, a human spacesuit, for example, is, is um, we could send these things out there with zero risk of human life. There, there's no, um, there's no, um, 
no risk to human life. Basically, we send them out there. We train them. We train them on the simulator. Train them on the space stage. We train them on the space shuttle, whatever. And we train them to build these 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 platforms out there, like on an asteroid or maybe maybe Mars or the moon. Even I, I don't know why uh, Elon Musk is going to the moon anyway. Why why is he going to the moon? <laughs> he should go to the moon too. So. Skipping the middleman? I don't know. He's a disruptor. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but for the most part, um, I, I, I think these things, I think this autonomous, these autonomous systems that I'm making, the Seraphim, I believe, I believe they will help us get space-based manufacturing, space-based um, uh, life support set up, basically, for humans to get farther out, basically, in space. And not only that, but for a resource harvesting out there in, in the in the asteroids or whatever, to get some additional you know precious metals or whatever you know whatever right. we may need out there basically. But off planet manufacturing, I do agree with some of that. Maybe some stuff may be better to manufacture off planet than on planet basically. Okay, so I don't know if you've listened to a lot of the shows or not, but whenever we want to have you know an evil country, but we don't want to actually name an evil country, we call it Jeff Zikistan. And Jeff Zikistan may have a, an, an evil despot that may or may not be me. Um, now, Jeff Zikistan is, is a very powerful country, has a lot of money. It's like Wakanda without morals. We, we will, we will, we, you know, if you come here, we're going to absolve you from liability as long as you pay our, our fees for docking and, and launching your, your ships and whatever. And the ruler of Jeff Zikistan just might be a James Bond villain, um, type villain. And so let's just say the, the mighty ambassador, you know, the, 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 the emperor of Jeff Zikistan sends an envoy to you, the ambassador from Jeff Zikistan, and comes to uh, Favis, Favis Inc., and says, hey, I'd like to buy a thousand of your seraphim. Uh, we may call them uh, archangels. You don't mind, do you? Um, is, is, that, is that something that you would or could do? Uh, no, I, I'm, uh, again, there, there's export controls on technology in America. There's something that the Department of Commerce, um, they have something called ITAR compliance and, and, and uh, I can't do that and I wouldn't do that, okay. obviously. But number one, uh, there there is export controls Scratching on technology. Scratching that off yeah, of my evil plot for so, yeah. foiled. Scratching off my evil plot plans. I, uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. So for Jeff, uh, Jeff Zikistan? Yep, Jeff Zikistan. Mm -hmm. Jeff Zikistan. For Jeff Zikistan to extract the technology, he would have to come to America to um, probably become an American citizen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he would have to um, try to steal it in a certain way or whatnot. But for the most part, um, okay. no, I, 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 I'm invested in this in the long run. I, I think it's beneficial for America. And if Jeff Zikistan is using slave labor or whatever or whatnot, I think we, we need to... No, no. All my citizens are very happy, just like North Korea. Um, and, okay. and, and they'll tell you so in unison in the, in the group dance. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> enough about Jeff Zikistan. Um, so, who do you anticipate your clients are going to be? Do you think it's going to be the U.S. military? Do you think it's going to be police forces? Do you think it'll be fire departments? Do you think it'll be something, you know, maybe I'm too lofty, but maybe it will be, you know, cities will have and it will have construction and sanitation and routine jobs done by, you know, these auto these robots that can, that can do things 24-7 with very little power, uh, you know, fill the 
get to those potholes that no one ever gets to, you know, pick up the garbage timely day 24 seven. I mean, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm too busy, you know, in the garden of doom. Maybe I need to get back into garden views and, and see that maybe there's a garden to be built here. Yeah. My, my favorite sectors are manufacturing and agriculture. We, we, America really needs manufacturing to come back. And uh, again, these, these systems are, um, designed to bring back manufacturing back to America. Again, nobody can compete with uh, Chinese slave prison labor or whatnot. And again, the one thing that will set the, the, the reverse that gap is, is basically autonomy, autonomous systems, um, uh, AI manufacturing or whatnot, robotics space. That's one thing that we could, we could be, um, and, and, and win manufacturing basically. And again, Again, the the I, I believe the opposite of war is is trade. It's not necessarily peace. It's trade. You want everybody to trade up good products, good competition, and and choices basically. So I think once we have a good manufacturing econ- economy established, and uh, you know money's flowing, there's jobs and everything. I think a lot of the world problems can be avoided. We can make nice products, export them, import other products or whatnot. But for the most part. Um, I, I just want to say that that we we, we need manufacturing ag- and specifically agriculture. There's hard harsh shortage of agricultural workers in America also. So those are the two sectors I want to focus on. Those are my favorite sectors. Defense is more for non-dilutive capital to to, to blitz to a, uh, a, a refined prototype and, and and whatnot. So, but manufacturing agriculture number one. I think that that could set the precedence for a, a stronger economy or whatnot. But, Do you uh, mean the manufacture uh, of the of the robots themselves? I want to say I want to say, for example, um, let's just say there's there, there's a Ford factory and they have automotive painters, right? Mm-hmm. They're probably using robots now or whatnot, but still, the person that controls that robot is still a painter. They still have experience as far as mixing paint, the type of paint, the troubleshooting the paint, or whatnot. If they control robot, chances are they're going to be tr- controlling that robot that that they will most likely always have superior knowledge of, of, of how to control that robot and tell it how to paint out the troubleshoot the paint, whether you know if there's a mistake or whatever or whatnot. So, so, so what I mean is manufacturing in the sense that assembly line manufacturing, manufacturing anything that where humans are doing something dangerous, um, boring. Or safety hazards like um, you know, like carpal tunnels or back injuries, these highly repetitive uh, jobs that kind of take the soul out of a human. Basically, that's what the uh, that's what the the robots are designed to do. Basically, they're designed to take those jobs. Again, they're not taking they're not taking away jobs. The people that know how to do those jobs are going to be supervising them, watching them, basically. So the the enhancement of these, like for example, automotive painter or whatnot, is going to be phenomenal as far as. Uh, as far as their their power, as far as what they can manufacture, how much they can work, basically. So again, they're controlling the, the technologies, these robotic systems, seraphims that they 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 know the trade already. So and they're they're going to be monitoring. They're not going to be doing the you know the the painting themselves, but they're going to be making sure that the robots are, are doing proper stuff, kind of like a canine handler. And a, I mean, a canine handler is his canine, basically. So the. Maybe the more rational AI fear, not the singularity, not our, not the Ultron, is that AI will be able to do so many things that it'll take away so many jobs. Now, oftentimes technology, despite the initial fears, creates other economies and other jobs and, and other networks that it becomes a large boon. Um, 
and I don't know if you have any thoughts or the answer to this at all, but the, the, the people who are no longer working in those industries because the robots can do them better, more efficiently, and in the end, cheaper because they can, you know, they last forever or whatever, and they work 24 seven, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what, what employment opportunities replace those for, for the human the people who are displaced from, from those jobs? Not that those jobs are great, but it's what they have. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, I'm not seeing, and I, you know, I'm seeing all labor problems in the future coming from uh, leadership as far as like saying, Hey, you know what? We have these robots and we have these employees. What's going to happen is most likely the company should be able to train the, the say, I kind of want to get allude to the, the robotic painter, basically, even if they're, they're probably most likely painting with robots now, but uh, for the seraphim or whatnot, all she says is, is an algae for, or whatnot. For the most part, the leadership sh- should create a, a, a relationship with, with um, the, the specialist, the human specialist, whether, you know, whether it's banging metal, you know, running a, a drill press or whatnot. He should be able to work closely with, you know, like two or three robots that are doing his work basically to amplify his, his, his clout and his reach basically, you know, maybe, maybe one, maybe one robotic uh, uh, painter or handler could, could handle, you know, maybe 15 or 20 robots. You never know, just checking them throughout the day and giving that one painter, you know, the power of 15 people and still keeping to make sure they're okay. Cause they're going to need maintenance, obviously they're going to need maintenance. They're going to need, you know, check the, you know, let's make sure the software's up before obviously or whatnot. Uh, if there's trouble, troubleshooting painting, maybe they have uh, trouble with their equipment or to make sure everything's doing the leadership in, in this, this future economy that's coming up, should use the specialties or the, or the, uh, the skills that the, the, the factory has. Um, they should use that existing base to help those people train or handle the robots that are going to be coming in. I don't think necessarily that these people that are so specialized in a field like painter, I don't think they're painter. They're, they're, I don't think they're going to have, they're going to lose their job because the robot's going to take them. I think what's going to happen is, is that painter is going to be able to handle 15 times, 20 times the amount of work basically. So, well, and they're going to be using robots, basically. That's what it comes down to, because every factory job is, 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 is a little bit different. You know, uh, it takes a little bit of special trade or whatnot, training or whatnot, how to, how to operate some of the machines or whatnot. But for the most part, I see, I see in the future, if the, if the leadership's good, the, 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 the leadership should be able to train their current employees to work with the robots. And I think it'd be at least very amusing to in the beginning for, for the employee, you know, be very engaging and using stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, you have fun with your friend until you realize it's just a tool, but, uh, and also it's yeah. cloud. You're the one with the robot and everyone else is looking at you and just you know, in the typing pool or, or well, if there is still typing pools, but you know, in the logistics yeah. bay or whatever, anyway, in IT, you know, they're, they're, they're in IT making sure software runs, but you're actually working a robot. I mean, you know, probably what they all dreamed of doing. Anyway, that, that's, yeah. you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, you know, and listen, it's not your job to figure out what every other job will be. Your job is to make your company as successful as possible, make the best product possible. I mean, I, I get all that. Yeah, um, you want to give your, you want to give your, your workers the optimal output they can have in robotics and AI is, is the key to that basically. You know, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the, for example, the painter is going to be writing code or anything like that. It's going to be it's going to be more intuitive. That it'll be a lot more simple. Basically, it's, it'll be voice commands and uh, you know, and, and showing or training. You know, 
you know, if, if the painter has to put on a human motion capture suit, then he will basically. So it's, it's not, it's not necessarily about, um, programming a robot. It's, it's, you're just more of a cobot, basically. You're going to be training in, in a natural human way, basically. Oh, cobot. That's a new word. Um, are, do you think that there'll be robot assembly lines or there'll be robots building other robots in other words? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think that's going to be the case. Um, and I assume I it, will, it will mature to that level. You mentioned something called ITAR. I vaguely know what it is. It basically means it's a certain tr- uh, trade outside needs to be approved by the, by the authorities. But can you go a little bit more into ITAR is and, and say what it is? Yeah, ITAR is international... I think it's like trade of arms or international trade of arms and regulations. Uh, it's under the, it's under um, department of commerce. But what it basically means is, is there's certain parts, for example, like um, I think the training I got from my, from my department of commerce was there's certain parts that can be used to be, to make um, weapons that we don't want to use against us. And uh, there, there was a, um, I believe it was some sort of a, some sort of it wasn't a solenoid it was an electronic part that uh could actually be used it was a small it was it's using mris i think but also it has a dual use it could be using mris and it could also be used to um to create a nuclear reaction in uh in uranium or something you know uh, uranium or whatnot so uh so um, so we have to make sure the, these parts uh that, that are can be used against us which is now almost all I want to say all electronics now, uh, a lot of electronics can, can do some, some damage now, you know, with what you buy on Amazon even today. Um, but some parts we just don't want to, we don't want to enable, uh, uh an enemy country or, uh, a country, country that can use weapons against us and ammunitions, obviously firearms, obviously you can only export them to certain areas and you have to ask the department of commerce for permission to bring certain technologies, physical stuff, um, even blue, I think it's even like blueprints or, or designs or whatnot. So to be, so, yeah, I, I agree with these things. I agree with these, but I charge basically the international, I think it's a regulation, mostly arms, arms related or arms related stuff, but there's stuff that you may think are inert or not, uh, not that cannot be used in a weapon making, but department of commerce does all this stuff. What kind of weapons are making, for example, I think in like in Iraq and Iran war, they were using cell phones to detonate bombs or whatnot. So they, uh, so there's certain like I want to say gyroscopes and accelerometers that have so much precision in them that they could uh, be used in weapons. Basically, um, I think there's some uh, export regulations on those, but for the most part, you usually have to go to the Department of Commerce and say, "Hey, this is what I, I, I'm selling or I'm manufacturing, I'm making. What are what is my what is my trade status? What is my export control status or year?" Uh, export administration regulations. You kind of have to run by them, which I agree with. I think it's I think it's great. I'm glad we have this. No, I am too. But a little, a little bit's a little yeah. bit bullshit, and I know this because I, I had a, a prior show and it dealt with the uh, situation in Ukraine. And you know, there's certain drones that you can't send to, to, to Ukraine without there being approval, but there's others that you can. You know, there's and. You know, the Ukrainians have figured out how to turn those into basically military grade drones. Um, but they're, you know, they're, they're basically the same things you can buy for your, your seven year old at a toy store online or whatever. Um, so, but I guess the, the, the point is, is that at least near term, th- this will be 
America first. I mean, Americans will be building these. It will be American factories, American technology. Yeah, I I have absolutely no plans on ever exporting this technology out of the country. Okay, now Um, let's... So this is something, this is America first stuff, yeah. Let's go back to uh, Jeff Zikistan. But this time, Jeff Zikistan has invaded its neighboring country, Nisistan. Everybody loves Nisistan. Um, And Jeff Zikistan just like, you know, woke up grumpy and, and invaded how far are we from being able to send, you know, I don't know, a brigade or a company of uh, Favis Seraphim uh, to, to kick, you know, to basically do what took Desert Storm to get Saddam Hussein out of Kuwait, that you have Operation uh, Nisistan Freedom uh, using uh, robot infantry? Yeah, in, in my humble opinion, for, uh, for robot infantry, the bipedal stuff, um, don't limit it to infantry just because I use the bad word. You know, it can be the air, air infantry. Yeah, exactly. For the air, air, aerial platforms, it depends on how much you can manufacture, how quickly basis. That's based upon manufacturing capacity. Same thing with that. With it, with for example, bipedal uh, robot infantry. Um, I think this is going to happen internationally. I think I think it's going to happen. We might as well just make the best ones to begin with. Okay. But I, I would say. Um, I would say on maybe 25 acres of land, I could churn out two, 300 with a well-fitted facility. I could churn out maybe two, 300 robot infantry in a week, basically. And would they have to be, would they have to be trained or would, if one robot trained that somehow the information could be shared to all of them? Yeah. So let's, let's say, uh, let's say Jeff Sikistan, Jeff Sikistan. Yeah, that's fine. Jeff Sikistan. Jeff, Jeff, let's just say Jeff Sikistan is, is, on the opposite side of the planet as me, or on Earth, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, and say you need 300 robotic soldiers, um, what what could happen if you know the area of operations? Um, when you package up the the Seraphim or the or the robotic soldiers into a C-130, by the time they get to Jeff Sikistan from Travis Air Force Base, their logic is already exported, and the AI model is already done. So, so that's they, how quickly you program them. So they do and have a shared, can, you know, intranet system or whatever it is, a, a, a neural network of sorts that that once one learns the yes. So most most of the most of the hard heavy computes done in a cluster, uh, I, 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 in, in, in intranet. And I don't put this thing on on uh, on the internet for obvious reasons, but most of the hard compute heavy compute AI models. So, so say for example, uh, uh, Jeff. Sikistan is the size of Texas, basically. Uh, what are the long-term objectives for holding or, or defending or, or attacking Jeff, Jeff Sikistan or whatnot? So, um, so if, if you have that, that operational data as far as where something's located at, and you, you, can, you can run how much you want to expend as far as infantry or whatnot, and there will always be an aerial and, uh, and reconnaissance uh, factor on this. So for the most part... Um, it could learn a certain area depending on how much you focus on. But if you have enough people training them and enough robots um, and enough manufacturing, by the time they get shipped from or they fly from United States to Jeff Sikistan on the opposite side of the planet, their mission could already be plotted and all scenarios could be, could be factored in for whatever they could throw at, at the robotic soldiers, basically. So, um, the, the, the AI models brought from the cluster onto the, onto the system, whatever, you know, I don't want to talk too much about the, 
the, the system, but for the most part, the, 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 the system is not doing the math or the compute in real time. Well, not all of it's done in real time. Uh, the AI models are exported to the actual system, the actual, in, for example, robot infantry or Wraith model or whatnot. And then, um, the, so even if you're to capture a, a human robot, robotic soldier or a Wraith, you still don't know how to, how to program it because you don't, you're missing the, uh, the training module basically, or the, the actual simulation technology, which is, takes a significant amount of resources to, uh, to create and stuff like that. So, and know-how too, know-how is number one also. So that'd be, that'd be the summary. If, if Jeff Sikistan was attacking another country or whatnot, then we could send however fast he could drop, you know, he could be airborne. They could drop them out of AC-130 or Halo drop them or whatever. And then Jeff Sikistan will have some robotic soldiers in the area or whatnot. So. That sounds so much fun. Um, <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. Um, how many patents do you have? How many patents do you have pending? And how many are you working on without giving away any details? Yeah, so um, there's a lot in the mix. Um, it, it takes time and resources to file the patents. Um, but uh, obviously, as I, as I start manufacturing, I'll be able to file more patents and have more resources to file them or whatnot. Um, uh, the primary patent, my favorite one, and the one I want to, uh, that I think will have the most world-changing impact is the Seraphim, and that, that's what my life's work and energy is being focused on at this current time. The second one is the Wraith. If you, if you, if you register the website, you can see the Wraith. It's a beautiful uh, 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 drone, basically. It could be used for you know anything we talked about earlier. Uh, I also have an autonomous driving patent. I think I have, I have a, a better training mechanism and a, a better... Uh, philosophy than tesla does I've, I've used tesla's autonomous driving systems before but uh, um what what the uh autonomous driving patent does is it, it enhances human vision on top of uh the ai the ai training or whatnot so you, you literally have a, a full-on heads-up display from i want to say 180 degrees left and right and forward to see where your gps is at instead of um, instead of um, looking at your phone or whatnot so you can see in in snow, uh, cloudy, ice, dark, or whatever, you could probably drive without headlights on if you wanted to. Okay. So the computer cool. vision enhancement that the AI already sees um, is is actually broadcast on the screen. So the computer will will show the driver what it sees, which is you know thermal, infrared, or whatnot. Not only RGB or whatnot, but it, it can save a lot of lives as far as the road and visibility, basically, and. Um, I figure if you're already using the autonomous driving sensors to drive, you might as well enhance what the human can see when they're driving the car, which is really important. So, yeah. so that's that's another patent. I have other patents related to uh, prosthetics and stuff like that too. So because the the Seraphim is so similar to human anatomy that uh, people with missing arms really excuse the technology and stuff like that. So, wow. This is, it's like uh, it's getting close to Altered Carbon, you know. That, that that's another sci-fi series. Oh, it's a great series. Altered Carbon is great. Yeah, books are better than the shows, but the, good entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Say it again. The, the the books are better than the than the show. Season one was pretty good. Um, season two was uh, horrible, and and therefore, of course, led to no season three. Uh, but anyway. Um, I know that you're doing a bunch of podcasts. I know you have a podcast. So obviously it's something that you want to tell the world. Did we get it during the course of our conversation? And if not, please, you know, whatever I didn't ask you, whether I should have or whatever message you want to get out there, you know, th this is your time. Yes, I think, I think I really want to say 
I, this is the most important thing I've, I've emphasized. Multiple, don't be scared of the future. Don't be scared. Don't be scared of the future. And don't be scared of AI. AI is something, AI is something we must embrace and AI is something that will benefit everybody if it's done properly. And AI is also our best defense against rogue AI or bad AI, basically. We just have to have the best AI uh, to protect ourselves from bad AI. Rogue AI, bad AI is going to happen. It's going to happen. So that's why we must allow innovators to innovate, and we must support innovators that have alignment with our values, basically. AI alignment is huge now, but uh, for the most part, I think a lot of people are um, are bringing out unnecessary fear. I don't think we have anything to fear about. I think humans will always be superior over any synthetic um, synthetic uh, electronic robot, whatever. Humans will always be uh, superior. You know, they're they're we're not going to be AI's pets. I don't believe that, not for one bit. I believe that AI will, at the most part, be our pets and companions and friends, basically. So and bodyguards. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If you want to be followed, or if uh, people want to support your work, or, or find out more, how would they? Yes, do so? definitely. Yes, uh, I'm pre pledging right now an equity based uh, crowd fund. Uh, we're going to run this maybe in the next several months or whatnot. Um, so um, equity-based crowdfunding is, is kind of like what Kickstarter was, but instead of just getting a product, what you're going to do is you're going to get equity in the company. The company is a high valuation because the patent's granted and patent's pending. So there's an extremely high valuation. I won't say it on there right now, but uh, in the next year and a half or two years, we're going to be manufacturing these things. And uh, if you want to visit the website, I highly recommend you get join our newsletter. That's far, F-A-R-C-O-R-P.com. You know, so far-corp.com, far-corp.com. That's the primary website. Sign up for the newsletter, and then you'll you'll be the first to know to know uh, when when the crowdfunding uh, campaign happens. I also have a, a a show mostly around futurology, or futurism, futurology, futurism that uh, that work uh, that that is mostly about a little bit uh, tech, no, mostly technology and. Uh, technology politics and, and stuff that's happening behind that. That's MrRobots.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, not M-R, M-I-S-T-E-R, Robots.com, MrRobots.com. And my Twitter handle, I like Twitter now that Elon Musk took it over and there's not a bunch of bots and, uh, and uh, you know, attack bots that are saying, that, are, <laughs> that attack you for saying it. Twitter seems to be a lot better now. It's a lot more calmer, so I encourage people to go on Twitter and also uh, my name on Twitter is at Steve, S-T-E-V-E, and my, my last name is pronounced Favis, but it looks like Favis or Favis, F-A-V-I-S, at Steve, F-A-V-I-S, or at Steve Favis. That, that's my Twitter handle. Ping me on Twitter, and then you can also ping me on the corporate website. But again, I, I highly encourage people to actually, who are investing, please support American innovators. There's a lot of technology that you know is, is, is really important that, that that is not being funded right now, or there is shortages in innovation. The, the amount of patents that are filed now are less than what's coming out of China. Well, is there uh, a so minimum American, or maximum investment? Say again. Is there? No, there's, there's, I mean, a for a, a, a five hundred dollar investment can get you stock in a company that has a, a very very high valuation, basically. Um, so there, the, so I mean, we there's a cap of five million on the investment, so you have to get in before that five million is hit. Beyond five million dollars, we, we we have to cap it at five million because of SEC regulations for 
equity-based crowdfunding. Right. We're targeting five million as a cap, but after that cap is done, we can't take any more investment. For, uh, so five million is, is initial raise. I consider a Series A raise. Most of the technology know-how is uh, most of the three D models are mostly done. It's just a matter of uh, getting the getting the equipment, which we're close to getting the equipment as far as relocating it and. Uh, and, and, well, I guess uh, I probably should have been more specific. And, what, what is what is the minimum? I mean, can someone invest with fifty dollars, hundred dollars, or does it have to be ten thousand? So the, the website, the website, I believe so. Somebody can do that based upon a certain valuation. Um, there's still some SEC regulation stuff I have to do before we launch, but I want to. I ideally want to pre-pledge it. I want to pre-pledge it up to up to up to five million. After after we, after we have that pre-pledge of five million, I'll just notify everybody. And on the first day, we should hit our goal of five million. Not only that, but uh, um, what you're investing in here is is literally world changing technology. I mean, I can't I can't under under emphasize the importance of, of what I'm doing, the work I'm doing, and, and how it's going to affect everybody. Basically, especially everybody in America for the better. Basically, so again, these these are designed to compete against Chinese slave and prison labor. Not only that, it's going to give us the ability to spend more time with our family and loved ones and all of that is going to get rid of repetitive uh, work injuries uh, stress and, and so much more I mean and the logic behind my patent number one the logic behind my patent is timeless this is the way all robotic systems are, are going to be trained as far as we can tell there will always be a, I'm sorry about that there will always be a simulation element in training if you're not using simulation and training a robot then you are way behind. There will always be a simulation element, basically. And there's always going to be that checking of, this, of the simulator and stuff like that. So for the most part, I, I really, really appreciate the the, the, the uh, support. If, if you can contribute to the to the website as far as um, as far as far uh, your new, uh, newsletter sign-up or whatnot. But again, after, after we hit $5 million, um, I can't take any further investments without um, doing a traditional raise or whatnot. So the benefits of equity-based crowdfunding – you you could pledge a small amount and get a high return on on within uh, within any time. You can train the stock out as much as you want, but uh, it's it's it is SEC regulated. Um, and again, it's it's instead of pledging for like something, you're actually getting stock in a company. And remember, this is the original part purpose of the stock market. Today, the stock market is about trading. Robots are trading for you right now. Robots are trading, trading, trading. But what, what started Edison and all these other American innovations, this huge innovation phase in America, is these inventors were just able to go to the stock market and say, hey, this is what I make. I need this certain amount of money. And they invest in them. They don't trade them. They invest in them. And investing is, is, is investment that will return, not only return investment, but it's not just trading based upon trading a based upon tr- to make money off of the trade. This is investing in a company and investing in the mission of, of what we're doing, basically. This is really important. This is, this is a huge differentiation now. So the equity-based regulation crowdfunding gives that ability for the innovator to approach crowds and say, hey, this is this is the new stock market to, for me to get this, to this milestone or whatever, basically. So right. well, very it, cool. it's, it's about investing in. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, this is my time where I have to remind the audience that this is not a financial advice show and you should not rely on me even or even the guests for financial advice. And you should always talk to your own financial advisors, your legal and tax advisors uh, before you make any financial decisions. But very cool, very interesting conversation. I hope you had some fun. I tried to uh, make it a little bit light, but uh, to get the uh, 
both the uh, the garden view, the legal and the business and the the sort of the mundane stuff, uh, but still probably not part of the average listener's day to day life, uh, if ever, and also some of the fun stuff. But I, I you seem to roll with it just fine and. Um, sounds great. Uh, you know, we've all seen robots and movies and stuff. And then, you know, I think that we as humans were sort of pre-trained to be optimistic about this as it is. So, uh, best of luck to you. I have subscribed while, while you were talking. Um, so I'm uh, looking forward to getting that newsletter and, uh, uh, you know, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and, and, and good luck with uh, the, the task, just not uh, good luck getting to the 5 million before I get a chance to uh, uh, put a couple kitties in the, in the bucket. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot for your time and sharing your story. And, and these, I mean, these really incredible things that feel like they're out of science fiction, but they're, they're right here. It's science. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Again, I, again, I didn't innovate all this stuff. This is just technologies that already existed. I just put them together in this manner, basically, and, and filed a patent for it. Basically, these, these are all you put them together and you get this stuff, basically the, the humanoid and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, um, thank you for, for signing up for the website again. I really appreciate it. People just sign up for the newsletter or at least just join me on Twitter and, uh, and join me on some of the, the discussion that goes on there. So. All right. But thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate it. That was my pleasure. Yeah, thank, thank, you're welcome back anytime. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Hope that you enjoyed this. I think I'm going to put it on Garden of Doom, uh, just because the length is more Garden of Doom length. But I think I'd say 50-50 both places. Um, and, uh, you know, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, write something nice. But more importantly, anything else, tell your friends. This is a show that sort of defies a genre. So if you tell your friends, those personal referrals are more important than anything else. Anyway, thank you for listening, and you'll hear from us again next time in the garden. Maybe I'm colorblind. Don't know where I lost the colors. I only see black and white. Come to think of it. But it all comes back when the moon gets low. Dancing in the afterglow. When the room starts spinning and my eyes are closed. Feeling like I'm not alone Cause there's a ghost in the machine I only see you when I go to sleep I build a wall under the sheets
when I'm dreaming that you're here with me.